Uh, here with Andrew Faulkner, uh, Meet Your Maker Series, uh, take one. Hi, this is Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio. We are here in downtown Seattle for our Meet the Maker Series, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Andrew Faulkner, uh, who is the managing editor of Distiller Magazine and hold, hold many other titles. Uh, Andrew, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much, Christopher. So we were just chatting about some of your the hats you wear in the distillation industry. Um, tell me all the titles you hold. Well, I, um, I'm the managing editor of Distiller Magazine, which is the voice of our organization. I'm the vice president of the American Distilling Institute, and as that, I, I'm the judging director running our judging program, and I coordinate the curriculum for our hands-on distilling workshops. Well, that's a lot. That uh, sounds really fun, but also a lot, a lot of responsibility. I'm a little bit busy throughout the year. And uh, you are here in Seattle for the first time hosting the annual distillation conference? Yeah, it's our annual um, conference and vendor expo. It's, it's all about distillation, and we uh, had more than a thousand attendees from small batch independently owned distilleries all across the country we had um, more than a, I think I forget the final tally on vendors but I think we had 129 vendors here and we had our our biggest conference ever amazing and uh, it's so cool to have it in Seattle after you know I'm a big Seattle fan the Seahawks win the Super Bowl yeah. and we've got the Space Needle and the mountains wow. and obviously great food wine and beer and now a host of craft distilleries. Um, what do you know about the Washington distillery industry? Well, right now, this is the epicenter. You know, we, there's, there's no other state with as many craft distilleries as Washington, and um, it's, it's literally growing, if not weekly, monthly. Um, the estimates over the summer by the Washington Distillers Guild were that there were 70 functional distilleries in the state. There's the, the last estimate I heard sometime in the fall was, was 90 functional distilleries, and then I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's probably broken 100 by now, and, and Seattle as a city has 16 functional distilleries, which is more than any city in the country. <laughs> well, um, apparently we like coffee, we like our beer, and now we like our spirits too here in Seattle. Uh, you, don't, you don't do a bad job of eating either. I, <laughs> I've eaten pretty well here. Fantastic. Well, would it be safe to say that the uh, craft distillery movement has actually followed the craft beer movement? Are those two related in any way? Oh, oh, in, in quite many ways, because, you know, one of the, one of the progressions, uh, obviously, uh, for, a, for a beer maker is like, oh, I can, this is malt, this is fermented malt, I can distill this and turn it into whiskey. And uh, our, our founder, also Bill Owens, was one of the pioneers of, of the beer movement, and he's, he's nationally recognized as, um, as a brewer. And, um, and a sort of raconteer and, and many other things. <laughs> he, uh, he started out, the, the funny thing is the way that I got to know him was through photography because when I was a kid, I used to look in his photography books and uh, he, um, he produced one of the, the standout books of black and white American photography called Suburbia back in 1972. And, and I used to look at it when I was a young photography student and uh, he was had a Guggenheim, two NEA grants, and was a, a working photojournalist for a number of years. But had had a couple of kids and found out that uh, a photojournalist photojournalist's wage 
wages, they just don't pay the bills. So he went on to other endeavors and started what is arguably the first brew pub in America, and that was Buffalo Bills down in Hayward. Hayward, California. Yeah. And from there he went on to um, to start Beer the Magazine and then American Brewer, which he no longer publishes but uh, is still in print today. And when he left American Brewer, he uh, also just one day discovered a box with his old cameras under his bed, a, a Nikon, a Leica, a, a Pentax, and he said, oh yeah, I used to be a photographer. <laughs> and he went out and bought himself a, a small digital camera and found out that he loved digital. Just it, He said it made photography fun again. And so he got, uh, he got a publisher interested in, in reissuing some of his books. He took a royalty check, and he knew from his brewer's friends that there was this little movement around the country of small distilleries popping up. And he took his royalty check and he drove around the country, stopping at every small distillery he knew of or could find about, and photographing them. And from there, he decided to order uh, or organize a conference, which our first conference was in 2003 in Alameda, California, at uh, St. George Spirits. Wow. So uh, how fortuitous to, to have some um, industry background, some experience in, in the magazine publishing uh, industry, as well as uh, having a passion for documenting and um, well, celebrating the distillery movement. Yeah, and, and as well as being recognized as a beer icon, so when he could go into a lot of these distilleries, they'd go, oh, Bill Owens? I know Bill Owens, you know. It's, it's a funny thing, you know, you, you, you drive into a, a town with him and, and the museum curator is, is delighted to give him a private tour of whatever exhibit's going on and, and talk to him about where he is with his photography. And at the same time, you go to the brewery and it's like, oh, Bill Owens is in my brewery? Where is he? And he gets, he gets the, the red carpet treatment there, too. <laughs> the master of arts and crafts. Yeah, sort of a renaissance man, a, a raconteur. He's many things. I'm here uh, on Happy Hour Radio speaking with Andrew Faulkner, the managing editor of Distiller Magazine. Uh, here on Happy Hour Radio. This is part of our Meet Your Makers series, and we're here in Seattle uh, on the tail end of the annual distillation conference. What's the title again of this get-together? It is the American Distilling Institute's Annual Spirits Conference and Vendor Expo. Okay, good. I knew I could remember all that. And it's our 11th annual. Well, fantastic. When So Bill Owen, did he actually found Distiller Magazine as well? Yes. yes. Okay. It is, our, it is our voice. It is the voice of craft distilling. Awesome. So um, tell me about some of the highlights that uh, uh, took place this past few days here in Seattle at the annual conference. Well, you know, we started out, we, we kind of start out slow. We work our way in with some workshops. So we had a, a three-day whiskey distilling workshop down at Heritage, and we had uh, workshops all over town at different distilleries like Westland, uh, Fremont Mischief, Captive Spirits, uh, and Three Howls. Uh, we even had a couple up in uh, Woodenville. We had an Amaro workshop at Brovo Spirits there. Oh, yeah. And um, that's a fun project. Yeah. To have yeah. the bartenders get a chance to 
do a little twist on their version of uh, vermouth and amaro and oh yeah and, yeah. and they they walked away with a uh, uh, double gold medal best of class in our liqueur and specialty spirits category and I don't want to forget Skiprock um, distillers we had a workshop up there also and our conference kicked off in earnest on Tuesday um, and it was just non-stop action breakout sessions that we had on uh, distillery topics from from the dreamer to the most advanced level on issues of production to marketing to best practices and um, uh, along with that we had a vendor expo where if you're starting a distillery or running a distillery anything you need to operate a distillery was available and you could meet the suppliers the makers that's awesome anytime you have the one-stop shop to, to find the industry partners uh, previous peers and industry peers and pundits like yourself who can help guide and, and sort of lay down the the path the tracks for uh, people jumping into this very exciting industry is there a definition of craft dis distillation or a craft distillery yeah we have we have a um, a definition that we've produced, uh, we have it posted on our website at distilling.com slash craft, and uh, I won't try to quote the exact words, but what we did when we formulated this this definition, because you can, you can pull out Webster's and you can find the word craft and the definition, and this will fit anything up to a Porsche automobile, which is a very finely crafted instrument. Uh. But, right. you know, not necessarily what people think of when they think of craft. So we tried to get inside the consumer's head and say, when a consumer wants to buy a craft product, what are they thinking of? And we had several criterion. The um, important one is, you know, it has to be small, well, the important several, because it's, it's a package. It had, they think of a small producer, right? They think of artisan. A, an artisan with a small workshop, independently owned, not somebody who has to deal with the, you know, the layers of corporate, corporate bureaucracy <laughs> above them. Um, we, um, so independent ownership was a very big part of that. And, um, uh, small size of production because at a certain point you know if you're making 16 million dollars a year I'm not really going to consider you to be a small artisan anymore you're you're a big boy and congratulations um, we like them too and a lot of them are, are our members and support us and then we have two divisions in our definition because one is one is for craft distilled which is what most people think of as as craft and it's the people who actually distill what they make but there's another thing for craft blended uh, which mm -hmm. may be somebody who's making maybe doesn't distill but makes something like a liqueur where oh, sure. where you're assembling different parts and the spirit is not the distilled spirit is right. not a, the essential flavor component but what you do to it creates that component like an absinthe maybe exactly right yeah well, very interesting um has the craft distillery movement well i would imagine the craft distillery movement has taken over a foothold in every state in the union i believe we're in all 50 states is there a number out there that we could sort of uh 
you know, postulate about the size of the the industry? Well, if you um, if you think about it, there's there's uh, it's it's a complicated question because you ask, you know, if you're in in your the application phase with the government, or are you asking, are they um, still just dreaming? Have they received their license from the government? Maybe they've gone into production, but they haven't released something, or or they have, um, they've actually released a product. Well, let's say and that. How many pr- products out there, how many companies or small distilleries, craft distilleries, have released products in the United States? We, we esti- our last estimate, which was uh, about uh, summer of last year, was 400. Wow. And, uh, excuse me, 450. And uh, I'm guessing by now it's probably up to 550. At that time, we counted about 750 that were in some phase of the paperwork uh-huh. or construction. Sure. They're bonded at that time. They just haven't produced typically. Right? You have to get a liquor bond, right? Yeah, you have yeah. to have a, a bonded area. Just like a winery. My, my family owns a winery. Well, uh, a vineyard. A vineyard <laughs> we did yeah. the bonding thing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I know uh, as a longtime uh, wine and spirits professional here in Washington that the craft movement here has, has blossomed, uh, exploded, if you will. We have 70-plus uh, distilleries around the state, and that seems like well. Let's see. Do my math. That's fifteen percent. Yeah, fifteen percent of the industry yeah. is, is based it's, right here. It's a huge part. This Seattle, Washington State. This is the epicenter right now wow. of the of the movement. There's more going on here than any other um, state in the country, and it's and it's by far. I'm I'm guessing that uh, Colorado is number two. And the last time I checked, they were about 48 distilleries there. I had the pleasure of speaking with Andrew Faulkner, who is the managing editor uh, of Distiller Magazine here in Seattle. Following the tales of the annual conference, uh, Vendor Expo, uh, the American Distillation Institute? Distilling Institute. Distilling Institute um, here on Happy Hour Radio, part of our Meet Your Maker series. So, uh, Andrew, can you? T- were there any highlights... Um, Looking ahead, is there a crystal ball that you can look into and see where are we going in this industry? Um, is there a fear of overregulation? Is there a fear of a lack of, of brand awareness? Um, does the market extend past the state of Washington? Because everything's so small, it's almost as if we're all just pr- producing for our immediate communities. Well, you know, and in, in Washington State, a lot of the distilleries have just come online in, in the last two or three years, and, and that's not enough time to establish uh, a national brand. But if you, uh, so, so there's only a few, handful of pioneers like Dry Fly Distilling that, that have reach into 36 states. Um, but if you look at the trends, and, and we've plotted the curves of growth from the the family wineries after prohibition, craft beer after uh, 1961 or 62 when Fritz Maytag purchased Anchor Distilling, and um, the craft distilling movement from 1982 when Germain Robon and St. George Spirits were founded. And if you track these curves, they're all practically identical to the point that craft distilling is We've got a long way to go up. We're 
we're guessing that this country will achieve a thousand distilleries by the end of the decade, and that's not going to overpopulate. Wow, that's that's really exciting. Um, it's interesting because in the spirits industry, uh, for a long time, you know, I was in advertising. I studied advertising in school, and mm -hmm. I was always thrilled to look at liquor ads because yeah. it was either sex, power, and well, there was a. Sex and power were always or a prestige status, right? That's what yeah. liquor was always presented at the, the attractive woman, the gentleman with the finely tailored suit, or in the, in the fancy cars the, and the, the the rich wood paneled yeah, uh, everything's den dark and with rich the and, leather you know, upholstery, all about sophistication and class. I don't know that the craft distillery industry has the budgets to create that sort of uh, um, market persona. Well, you know, I, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say things kind of twofold. Uh, the, the first is, you know, one of the things that we're aware of as far as a market persona, it's sort of the other end, it's the non-craft people who have seized on us and now are trying to appear craft. True. This is very <laughs> true. I've seeing, seen lots of products that come from major, uh, you know, corporate dis conglomerates, really. Yeah. yeah. And Diageo and... They're all producing something with a little spin on it, that sort of that folksy yeah. small yeah. barrel or Which, small batch and things like that. Exactly. You know, uh, uh, Jim Beam has stated that they want to be the largest craft distiller in the country. Um, <laughs> but, and, but the other thing is, and this follows very much with the state of mind of the state of Washington, and that is there is a locavore movement. People are looking for things that are locally made, locally crafted, they, they've, and, and in the booze business, you've had these very large conglomerates controlling most of it for so long that people have gotten to the point where they want to be able to meet the maker. They want to be able to shake the hand of the person who made their whiskey and talk to them about it. To go down to, to sidetrack distillery and, and meet David and Linda and and you know sip the cassis or the, the blueberry liqueur fantastic. Really tasty. Made, made from blueberries that they grew in their field there that yeah. you could walk out and taste. Well, when you, when you paint the picture that way, it, it is very attractive to, to have some connectivity with um, your farmer, the farm-to-table movement, obviously, is now transitioned to the, uh, well, the local distillery to bar movement, I guess. And yes. um, with the uh, reemergence of craft, or I should say, uh, classic cocktails in the bar industry throughout the country with the, the Sazerac and the, uh, uh, the Old Fashions and, and with the Amaro movement, people are, are looking for something more than just the, the big conglomerate brands. Um, oh, yeah. And you, you know, again in Seattle here, you have such a wonderful mix of the of the craft cocktail people who were who were part of the the first. These are the first people that turned their eyes towards craft spirits and started incorporating them into their art. You've got people like um, Audrey Saunders um, and her husband Robert Hess. That she, you know, she's been a mentor to so many of the up up and coming. Uh, bartenders and Robert through his um, Drink Boy website. He, I learned how to make a, an old fashioned on on Robert's website, and you've got other people uh, Jamie like Boudreau. Jamie. Yeah. I was just going to Cannon or um, Andrew Friedman yeah, out Liberty. at Liberty, yeah. who run some of the finest cocktail 
programs in the country. Uh, to to go to a place uh, like Canlis, where you can walk in the back room and and the 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 selection of fine, rare, old spirits that that they have back there is just astounding. Matches their wine program. Absolutely. Yeah, the, those guys at Canlis, Nelson, and uh, their is new it? assistant director, Jackson, and um, I don't know the bartender, but I know that uh, when I was there doing a, a stage for service a couple years ago, it was so fantastic that the bartender was crafting these unique cocktails. He brought them out to the staff meeting, and we all tasted them. It was really, really fun, and that was cutting edge. That was in 2009. Uh-huh. That, that whole operation knocks me out, and we got a, a private tour there once and I walked through that kitchen. I used to work in restaurants and every every kitchen I went into was a noisy, horrible, messy place with <laughs> people yelling at each other and it was hot and uncomfortable. And I went in there and all it was quiet. There's a you could hear a, there, huh? Serenity, oh, I should you say. could hear a pin drop and everybody was getting along and paying very careful close attention to what they do. It's a so how does someone find uh, Distillery Magazine? Distiller Magazine? Distiller. Um, it, you know, it's published by us. We have a, a circulation of 4,000, and it's, it's mostly industry people. Uh, there are copies on our, that you can purchase from our website, and that's dis, distilling.com. If you go to distilling.com distilling and look for a link to White Mule Press, that's, okay. our, that's our publishing wing, and you can buy issues of our distiller magazine and our annual resource directory, which is our most current list of craft distilleries around the country, Neat. if you're interested in visiting as many as you can. And it's also a list of the suppliers that supply the industry in case you're thinking of starting a distillery and a lot of this follows over to beer and wine also it's the many of the same materials that are required so what's on the horizon for 2015 where will this uh, annual conference symposium vendor expo be we're going back to louisville oh yeah uh, yeah yeah wow. we, we we've been to louisville kentucky before it's uh and at that time it was a, a city largely populated and a state largely populated with the very large distilleries. There's more barrels of, of whiskey and storage <laughs> there than there are people. Lately, Kentucky has come online with uh, a craft distillers trail and the city of Louisville has um, distilleries popping up like mushrooms. There are, I think, eight already online. We're expecting about 10 functioning craft distilleries in Louisville by the time our conference is there next year. And the last time we were there, there were none. Really? Yep. Wow. Well, this is very exciting. It's like going back to the homeland. I mean, we're talking about Kentucky and bourbon whiskey and... Yes, uh, sir. <laughs> Doodah. <laughs> Kentucky Derby. Um, very exciting. Uh, if... Is there a resource, do you have bartenders and cocktail recipes? Do you have a, a, a host of, of other uh, links available on uh, distilling.com? You know, that's one of the places we really need to grow our outreach is with the bartending community. We've been, you know, we're, we're a growing organization. Um, our enrollment increased 29% over last year at our conference. So we've been, we've been primarily uh, dealing with educating people that they can take their venture to the next level and one of the places that we need we we 
no, we, um, we realize that we need to improve is in our outreach to the bartending community. An opportunity for growth, definitely to find oh. the professional uh, spokespeople and advocates for the craft distilling movement. Absolutely, because those are the evangelists that can take the spirits to the consumers. It's very exciting. Well, it's been a pleasure to meet you and to learn more about the American Distilling, Distilling Institute. Institute. I love it. Um, I, I had the chance just to find you on Facebook through our mutual friend David LeClaire, ah. and we had this opportunity just to connect um, uh, briefly for a, what I think is a great interview. It's, it's yeah. fun to learn about it. You're very well spoken. You've got great expertise and obviously experience in the industry, and that's why you are the managing Editor. Well, thank you very much, Christopher. And um, uh, if you want more information, you should check out distilling.com. And we have a tremendous archive of information and all sorts of resources for distillers. And uh, have fun with it. All this talk's making me thirsty. I'm ready for a little bit of the brown liquid right now. All right. Andrew Falkner, thank you so much for joining me on Meet Your Maker and Happy Hour Radio. Thank you for having me.